Tonight, the best of the best, Usain Bolt strides towards immortality. We analyse his run, piece by piece. Scraping the bottom of the pool, what went wrong for our swimmers? Upsets and nail biters, the Raiders stake their claim. Can the Giants come back from this? Tim Cahill, everyone's favourite socceroo, is home at last. Plus, former All Black Andrew Mertens and the Wallabies' Bledisloe Cup hopes. The show where everyone has something to say. It's the back page live. Wanted to run around in the baggy green. Want to be on TV shows like this where we can have a laugh. Never ever give up. They think we're not strong enough, but we just be the world. Their senses are dulled. I got punched in the back of the head regularly. It's just unfortunate it was from a coach. Yes, hello everybody, welcome to the show. We're sort of three rings into the five ring circus that is the Olympic Games. So plenty to talk about with James Hooper alongside Liesl Jones, you'll notice, who is sitting in for Kelly Underwood, who is sick today and has apparently misplaced her voice. Uh, hope you get better soon <laughs> and welcome to you, Liesl. Lovely to have you with us. Thank you. Over the side, Jules Schiller with Mark Bosnich, who is also feeling a little unwell, but sadly has not lost his voice. <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting for something like that. Very good. <laughs> Very good, very good. Lovely to see uh, you. It's a long season. <laughs> All right, plenty of gold medal performances to get to, uh, not a lot from Australia, sadly. But let's start with something that is just plain rolled gold. Here we go. Rocky, I think this is Jules. Isn't this sensational? Look at that. <laughs> I thought this was doctored, but it's real. This is real. This is just a little kid. This is his trash. <laughs> <laughs> Look at that. Uh, absolutely brilliant. You'd think, though, if you were going to have your kid going viral, you would put something over the top of the nappy. Did he punch the meat carcass? <laughs> <laughs> Give that kid some nunchucks. Brilliant, isn't it? And big yeah. finish. Well played. There we go. Gold medal brilliant. performance to begin. Well, it was 9.81 seconds of absolute pleasure. I don't muck around. Usain Bolt winning his third successive Olympic 100 metre gold medal. What's more, he beat Justin Gatlin, who's been banned twice for doping. What did we make of this, Liesl? It was phenomenal, wasn't it? Greatest performance ever. Questionable with Michael Phelps, but we'll talk about that. Mm -hmm. um, great performance, but he's the real showman, isn't he? Yeah. He's the best. And great to see that he beat Gatlin as well. Pretty good race. Pretty, pretty fun. I love Bolt. And Lisa, when you say greatest ever, you mean greatest athlete in terms of athletics ever or one of the greatest all time in terms one of, of all sports? One of the greatest all time because that is one of the toughest events to do. There's so mm. much depth in it. There's so many people that can do this event. So, yeah, it is questionable. One mm. of the greatest athletes ever. He's pretty impressive, isn't he? And just so showman, like he's so... <laughs> Didn't you want to see him get bowled, bowled over by another Segway, though? <laughs> 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 that is still my favourite. <laughs> Not any of the races. Okay. Uh. But he does, he embraces the pressure and you know about pressure, but every Every time he stands up to those blocks, you kind of get the feeling he's just going to do it, don't He's you? just on show. Every time he steps up behind the blocks, he's like, Bolt is here. Yeah. You know, he steps up and he's just... He's a showman and he, he's all about theatrics and I think that's what he just does so well. And that's why everyone loves him. Everyone mm. loves to watch him. He's just... You know it's going to be the Bolt show when he turns up and he always wins and he always performs. I love the charisma and the class that he oozes tone. He really owns the moment. And from an outside point of view, you look at the best athletes in whatever sport it is around the world, they're in the zone. Yep. And they really just see it, they own it, they know what they're out there to do. Well, this guy, he just personifies all of that. It, does, it looks like he's in a different race. And an Australian photographer actually captured that better than anyone. Mm. Now, this How is Bolt's semi-final <laughs> win. Just look at the smile on his face. It's absolutely brilliant. It is magnificent. And, you know, I was going to ask you, Hoops, uh, 
the way that he goes on and so forth, here in Australia, if somebody was coming up in any sport and acting like that, would we, as a, as a media, would we allow that? I think we'd be OK, Boz. In as his, long as he produced in his instance, or she yeah, produced. Provided you're backing it up, as well, long as you're, you're walking the walk, you're, you're allowed to talk. Mm. Are you talk saying he's like curious, we should no, ignore no, 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 not at all. No, not at all. I'm just starting to wonder a little bit. I mean, Lisa made a great point. He is himself. He is what he is. But there, there, are so of, there are a lot of people, I'm sure, since I've been back here since, since 2008, and I've noticed a lot, I think there would be a lot of people in our media, if he was coming up, 17, 18, 19-year-old, and he was acting like that, I think they would jump on his back, and would that eventually stop that person being what they could be. Yeah, but I the think difference they'd say is arrogance. Mm. Yeah. yeah, he's one of the greatest Olympians of all time. Mm. He now looks as though he's on target to win the 200 metres as well, which will mean the 100 and the 200 at three consecutive Olympic Games. It's a it's phenomenal amazing. achievement. Well, it may never be done again. Well, if he does do that, he wins the 200 metre and the relay to come, obviously. He's on track to win the sprint treble three consecutive games. That would be the best effort since this bloke. Leonidas of Rhodes, <laughs> who got three titles in four games 2,000 years ago when they did at Stark Bollocky. That was a go. shoot for his first ever Swiss vitamins competition. <laughs> 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 and he ranked completely naked as well with... Uh, yes, you There's got to be a wind element to that, doesn't there, you know? <laughs> well, <laughs> wind <laughs> 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 Yes, he gave himself a black eye. Two black eyes. It wasn't sure, though. Like sure, <laughs> 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 Were you upset at all that Justin Gatlin, despite, as you said, twice convicted, twice banned for doping, that he was booed when he came into the stadium? Sometimes I think booing is not appropriate. Um, Yulia Efimova was also booed when she walked out onto pool deck. Mm. Also failed two drug uh, yep. doping tests as well. I don't know that booing is in the spirit of Olympics. I think sometimes that's a little bit wrong, and I think that crosses the line. Also, too, we need to understand their background. Yes, we automatically go, oh, Russian drug cheat. We jump on that. We go Chinese drug cheat. We jump on that. But look at Gatlin, American yep. failed drug cheat. Jump on that. Jump on that. And yep. so um, um, Lily King also pointed out the girl that won the hundred breaststroke pointed out as well. No, he shouldn't be there either. So. Mm. It's really interesting that we make all these comments, but we don't actually know the background. And also, he has served his time as well. So, what, two sides case, of the story. Yeah, in the case of Gatlin Tone, I just think it's fair play. He's got his receipt. Uh, everybody knows that he did test positive to performance-enhancing drugs. And if there's one narrative that I've really enjoyed about this Olympics Games, it is the clean athletes really taking a stand against mm. athletes who have tested positive. We saw Mac Horton do it against Sun yep. Yang, and I don't have an issue with it. I think if the crowd want to pay their money and they want to boo because that's their stand, then fair play. Well, both of you have taken us to the pool. I think that's good. I know it's not about winning or losing. It's about competing and give it your best shot. But in another more accurate way, it's all about winning. And frankly, we didn't do enough of that in the pool. Is that fair comment? Our expectations were so high and they weren't met. So, well, I made the effort to get up at midday, yes. like every day, <laughs> yeah. to watch the swim. And if I'm putting you in that sort of effort, I expect the same from the swim. It, it seems to me like I, that the, the, our swimmers are a little bit like the English football team. You know, there's so much expectation that they're, they're fearful, almost. They're not enjoying it. And, Lisa, you would know. that. How did you win a gold medal and, and people are not doing it in the last two Olympics? It's the weight of expectation. You feel it every single time. And it's almost like the pressure gets to you and it's almost like you just your body tenses and there's Freezes. just no way you can possibly perform under that sort of pressure. And I think for us, looking at the athletes and comparing us to the Americans who do it so well under pressure... 
I think for the Americans, it's almost like an inner confidence. It's like they trust and believe in themselves when they step up behind the blocks. It's not this arrogance that we were talking about with Bolt before. It's, mm. if we did it, we'd be arrogant, but for them, they're all about confidence. And they know when they step up behind the blocks that they trust themselves. So I think for us, maybe it's a little bit of, of, of looking at trusting ourselves and performing and just relaxing and letting it go. Well, there's no two ways about it, Tone. If you look at it black and white, it's sadly it has been a failure in the pool. Sports Illustrated had us winning 11 gold medals. The Australian Sports Commission, who've tipped in $40 million over the course of the last four years, predicted we would win nine in the pool. We've come away with three. So I think the US, by contrast, they won 16 golds, 33 medals in total. We won three golds and only 10 in total. T time to crack out the still knocks again, do you think? <laughs> <laughs> I think actually I know it's a massive achievement to get to an Olympics. And I know when every commentator and everybody interviewing them said, look, it's terrific, you made it to an Olympic final. But if I'm watching a grand final in AFL or rugby league, I don't see the guys who lost jump around saying, at least I made a grand final. They're gutted, they're devastated. Do you think there is that kind of element? That I've done OK, I'm in an Olympic final. No, definitely not. They're athletes and they're there for a reason. They want the best. And yeah. they want the best from themselves. And I don't think... You can leave the pool like that and go, you know what, I did my best job and I'm happy with fifth. No one goes to sleep feeling like that, particularly being an athlete. You mm. know I wanted the best out of myself on that day mm. and I can't sleep very well on that. So um, they'll say that they're happy with fifth, but realistically, you train for gold. You don't yeah. train for silver. You don't train for bronze. You train for the best. A lot of talk, Liesl, that our program is all back the front and upside down. So we obviously have our trials five months out from the Olympic Games, whereas the US do theirs five weeks out. Mm. Is there some merit in that or...? It's a huge change and it's a very big difference for us. For a very long time, we've done our trials that way, very early. And for me personally, knowing that I was on the team so early and that I had that huge preparation going into an Olympic Games really worked for me and I liked it. Unfortunately, I think we'll have to sacrifice the next Olympics if we want to get used to that style of taper and preparing because it's just not something we've done for a very long time. So... I don't know if that's the answer, but I think we need to do a bit more racing. I think that would be way more important and, and a better focus for us. Yeah. Mm. All right, well, there were disappointments, obviously, but there have been some wonderful moments. A young kid named Kyle Chalmers winning the 100-metre freestyle is right up there. How good was this? He came out of nowhere, didn't he? And by nowhere, I mean Port Lincoln. I <laughs> 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 take that back, mate. Come on, you're an Adelaide boy. There's no reason to start <laughs> no, And he didn't overthink the race? Because, again, he's from Port Lincoln. <laughs> oh, no, you're I love Port Lincoln. It is the Grand Central Station of Great White Sharks, if you've ever been there, so it's no surprise <laughs> that this guy uh, could swim fast. But it is a great story, isn't it? it like is. It was so heartwarming. We can't show you the race, obviously, but we can sh show you a view of it that I think offers so much more. It's Kyle's grandparents watching the race on telly. Come on, boy, get those slippers going. Oh, come on. Go, Kyle. Go, mate. Come on, come on, Kyle. Come on, Kyle. Come on, boy. Come on, Kyle. Come on, Kyle.
Oh. See, that is one beautiful. That, that is beautiful. That stained up my glasses. I wasn't even wearing them. <laughs> Don't grandparents always have those chairs? Yeah. Like, no, no fashion anymore because mum's chair and dad's chair. It's the lazy boy. Yeah. Lazy boy, absolutely. I loved it. All right, forget all the jingoism. Uh, how exciting has it been to witness the greatest swimmer of all time collecting gold medals like Jules collects stamps? Yes, that's right. He's a philatelist. <laughs> 23 of them for Michael Phelps. This is just astonishing, isn't it? It almost got a bit boring towards the end. It was like, <laughs> he won another gold. I just sort of feel like it would be a bit more interesting if we just sort of, I don't know, put a gator in there, like a crocodile in there, <laughs> and just see how Michael Phelps goes. He is an incredible athlete, and we are so lucky as a generation to witness such a phenomenal athlete like Michael Phelps. Um, but every time he jumps in the pool, he needs to retire. Give someone else a chance. Like, these <laughs> poor kids are like, like, Michael Phelps, can you please retire? So I yep. think finally after this Games, I think... Everyone else has got a chance. It's an amazing story, Lucille, and it's funny that you touch on him retiring because uh, he's quoted in a Sports Illustrated article recently, Tony, where after the Beijing Games in 2008, he continued to swim, but he was taking shortcuts all over the place and he wanted to retire. Then, after the success he had in London, he went right off the rails. He ended up in rehab. Mm. Obviously, the NFL player, Ray Lewis, uh, he was caught DUI and he was really going off the rails. This is, um, of course, the swimmer Michael Phelps. And Ray Lewis pulled him aside and said, mate, I seriously think that you need to go and get some help. So he's taken himself away, done 45 days in a rehab facility, reached out to his dad, who he yep. had separated from when he was only nine years of age. It's a phenomenal story, Tony. And yep. what this guy has achieved on an Olympic level, it may never be equalled again, and he should be celebrated for the champion he is. Yeah, He's he a helped. John Farnham of the pool, though, isn't he? <laughs> it's the last, <laughs> the last farewell tour. He'll be back. Do we seriously believe he won't be back in Tokyo? Do you put him no, above you, Usain Bolt, though, in terms of uh, athlete? I don't know. I think it's a real toss-up. I really think it comes down to uh, a personal choice. Um, you know, I, anyone, I, I suppose, who loves swimming, Lisa would probably say Michael Phelps. Others who love athletics would say Usain Bolt. For me, they're, they're right on the same level. They're, they're, they're amongst the greatest of all yep. time that we've ever seen. All right, Australians might have uh, swum faster if they'd been competing in the green diving uh, pool. Look, you'd get out of the possible. <laughs> that I think someone dumped uh, a bathbomb in that oh, one. Yeah. It <laughs> is shocking. Russian track and field athletes were drinking that. The nozzle They had to drain the whole thing. Absolutely <laughs> amazing. All right, brilliant effort from Kim Brennan, overcoming expectation, three-foot waves and the occasional floating body part to win gold in in the single skull. She led from start to finish. This was one of those great performances, wasn't it? Oh, such a good story. And the great thing is she's a fully qualified lawyer and her partner's a doctor. So, I mean, wow. if that, you know, it's a great story in the sense that she's managed to balance that. Mm. That's not um, great. That just makes me feel like a oh. loser. <laughs> <laughs> Gold medalist lawyer. <laughs> What have you done lately? <laughs> yeah, it does make you feel a little bit insignificant, doesn't it? You go, I won an Olympic gold medal. It's like, oh, well, great, I'm not a lawyer. But, so it's a yeah, with all the training, to balance that out, it must have been amazing. It must have been yeah. huge. Yeah. I mean, to undertake studies such as that and to balance it out with training for an Olympic rowing event, which mm. is one of the hardest. And yep. physically, they are one of the, the most gruelling trained athletes that there is out there. So really impressive. I, I loved that race. Well, that rowing. I mean, the Aussie rowers uh, picked up a silver, I think, in the men's four, but they got more attention for their outfits 
Uh, a lot of look at that. What's Sherbo, the lunchbox. Yeah. Yeah. Have a look at him. Sherbo's made a comeback. It's a bit sus when they don't hang the medals around your neck. <laughs> 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 You're making a lot of enemies. <laughs> I'm just channeling Fitzy yeah. tonight. Aren't you I? Are. <laughs> They're not the first rows, of course, to uh, stretch the lycra. Uh, this American, of course. From, from <laughs> <laughs> I think he was the stroke in that outfit. That's that photo shot, Toby. That's it's got a wing keel going there, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Anybody seen the ore? Okay, Australia's uh, Marcus Fraser was in the hunt for a medal, uh, but just missed out in the historic golf event won, of course, by England's Justin Rose. Uh, that didn't damage his post-game plans, though. Have a listen. I think we'll probably just go and have a salad, a couple of glasses yeah. of water, and, yeah. It's, uh, yeah I mean, we're, we're Olympians. We don't, we don't delve in it. We're just going to get absolutely hammered. That's what we're going to do. It, uh, have the biggest steak you can possibly find in all of Brazil, and uh, I don't think there's enough beer in Brazil for us to tonight. <laughs> go Aussie. Yeah, there you go. That's great. How good is that? Talk about being yourself. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Caddy looks so stoked as well. Yeah, yeah, he was <laughs> over Riding his gravy train all, right. all the way. I think they plan to catch up with Robert Allenby later in the evening. <laughs> <laughs> Sadly, he got uh, caught up elsewhere, Robert, uh, in a story that we won't go into right here, right now. OK. There we go. All right, China is ahead of us on the medal tally, although they uh, should get a gold medal for synchronised commentary in a baseball match. He takes it and then the double play after he takes this ridiculous catch. Straight through and bang. Wow, isn't it? It's a classic meant that. Exactly. Still with baseball, our old favourite, the fan catch gone very wrong. Once again, it's a food issue. Look, not the nachos. It looks like Stuart McGill. It doesn't get a bit like Stuart McGill. It doesn't get any better than that. Well played. There you go. The challenge is that it's not the end result, it's the journey. And this is for Kel, who I remind you is crook. She pointed out to me yesterday when I showed her that clip, he would have been better if he'd taken a tip from Homer Simpson. Ooh, you brought me a nacho hat. Thanks, Ned. <laughs> nacho, nacho man. <laughs> I want to be a nacho man. Uh, Kelly, Kelly, go. she's sick for the Simpsons. She just loves it so much. Can't get enough of it. No, absolutely. Let's move on to some uh, league. Ricky Stewart's Raiders, they're the real deal this season. Last night they scored in the opening minute. This is a great try against Melbourne. And then, oops, they just defended their lime green guts out, didn't they, to beat the Storm. And then nestled beautifully in the top four. Jabilo Lua, great back. They're playing good footy, aren't they? They're sitting sensationally at the moment, Tony. Third place on the NRL ladder. And look, for the majority of the season, they've had the best attack in the NRL. That's been well known. Their right edge in particular with Joey Leilua, the man you just touched on, and Jordan Rapana. Also the English import, Elliot Whitehead. They have been out of this world. But it was their defence last night yeah. against the ladder-leading Melbourne Storm Premiership favourites for a lot of people. They really took their game to another level. And on the back of beating the Sharks away from home last week, mm. they are now a genuine Premiership contender. So are they Kyle Chalmers of... 
the NRL at the moment. <laughs> they turn at seven, and are they just mowing them down on the straight? Look, they are mowing them down because that's seven wins in a row last night. So there are perhaps some similarities there. It's a great story, brilliant narrative, because their head coach, Ricky Stewart, won three premierships as a champion player with the club. He's gone back there. Plenty of people were reading his last rights as an NRL coach, mm. but he's clearly shown that he's got a hell of a lot more still to offer. So yeah, it really is the warm and fuzzy feel-good story of the finals at the moment. Too. Is, is there any fears, Hoops, uh, peaking too early before the finals? Not the way I see it. Not the way I see it, Boz. Yeah, they've only got three more games to go. And the style that they're playing and the trajectory that they're currently on, mm. I don't see too many chinks in their armour. There were a few upsets at the weekend. There was a lot of losses to the Sharks, uh, the Storm, as you mentioned, and the Cowboys, of course. Roosters are far too good for last year's premiers uh, as well. The thing, as we see, the Roosters, obviously, they're a team, on paper, a terrific team. They've just had a rubbish season. Obviously, they've had suspensions, and Mitchell Pearce, who played great, was missing for a lot of it. When they're all on deck, gee, they're dangerous, aren't they? Well, Gordon Tallis said last night, they're the best-looking uh, 15th-place side on the NRL ladder <laughs> yeah. in the history of the competition because they genuinely have star power all over the park. They had their issues, starting back with Australia Day, and obviously Mitchell Pearce was suspended for eight weeks. On the back of that, it went pear-shaped. They had a huge injury toll, a lot of key players missing. But that performance there, Tony, that's been building, I think, over the course of the last month, and they really wanted to make a statement. Unfortunately for the Premiers, the North Queensland Cowboys, they've now been knocked off back-to-back -back because the West Tigers made a statement against them the week prior. To yeah, the, the, the thing that we saw and haven't seen a long time for the Cowboys is Jonathan Thurston, who is a future immortal, looking mortal. Uh, he had one of... I mean, it's incredibly rare for, to see him make one mistake in a game. He made several, just was off his game. It's not like him, is it? No, rarely do you see much of a dip between the difference in his worst game and when he's at his absolute best, obviously it's, yeah. obviously it's creme de la creme. But for JT, certainly that was an off day. And the West Tigers also really showed the blueprint on how to target him and try and put, it off, put him off his yeah. game. Look, he's, a, he's handled it his entire career, Tony, so yeah. it's not anything new. But certainly at the moment, a couple of little hurdles for the North Queensland Cowboys to try and overcome. What about Kieran Four and his kind of magical mystery tour continues, doesn't it? reports now that he's set to head to New Zealand, back, of course, to his home, and the Warriors... Yeah, I reckon there's still a lot of red tape to play out on this one before Kieran would be allowed back and greenlit into playing in the NRL again. Uh, certainly from an NRL point of view, he'd need to explain uh, his relationship with Eddie Hayson, who's obviously the centre of all those match-fixing yeah. allegations. So, look, it's a big story. Paul Kent broke it uh, this morning in the Daily Telegraph and obviously elaborated on NRL 360 a moment ago, but there is still uh, a lot of things going on in the background that would need to be ticked off before we could just go... Beautiful, Kieran Foran, welcome back to the game. And as long as you're in a fit and proper mental state, then away you go. All right, one bloke who is back is very exciting. Two games back, in fact, in the NRL. And Jared Hayne has brought the NFL swagger and trash talk with him. The boy from <laughs> Minto kicked the winning field goal for the Gold Coast at Campbelltown. Then let everybody know, this is my house. It's, it's strange that he could have been in Rio and now he's in Campbelltown. That was like an NRL promo, wasn't it? Yeah. Jared Hayne coming back to the game, mm. kicking the winning goal in the last few minutes. Mm. Totally. Well, that's he stadium... needed that, Hoops. You know, he needed that. Absolutely. With all the talk and the hype and this, that and the other, the bottom line is this is his game. Totally. And I think coming back with what everyone said, he really did need something like that. Well, that stadium's five kilometres from the Housing Commission house that he grew up in with his mum, mm. single mum in Minto. 
uh, and it was just a beautiful moment. He hadn't played at that particular venue before and he went out there and apparently I heard Aaron Woods, the West Tigers captain, say, Tony, that he was sledging them the entire game, saying, this is my house, this is my house and obviously he delivered the ultimate receipt, which was the field goal in the dying moments. Yeah, well, poor old James Tedesco lived at Menangle, which is just near the, nearby there as well and the Titans busted his jaw. Ryan James, who of course I think he's fighting uh, tomorrow night, that one-week ban for this hit yeah. uh, that breaks a jaw, ends a key player in Tedesco's season. Yeah, rotten luck for the West Tigers and particularly young James Tedesco there. He's a great player with immense talent and he's going to be very, very good fullback for many years to come. But unfortunately, he has had a chequered history when it comes to injuries, Tony. His knee, his jaw, his shoulder. Uh, he really hasn't been able to take a trick at times in that respect. Does this, does this mean the West Tigers have about as much chances of making the finals as Robin Allenby is hosting Getaway? I mean, is it that, <laughs> is it that serious for them? It's that serious. <laughs> so, it's it's going to be a tough ask. <laughs> Even teammates uh, can have some argy-bargy. It's how it's handled that's important. So when a couple of American footy players got into a spat there, Washington coach decided they should walk around the field <laughs> holding hands. Well, oh, there you go. Have you seen that, Boz, in any of your travels? No, I haven't. But, uh, you know, different strophes are different folks. Yeah, yeah exactly. What about back in touching there? is everything. Yeah. You know, it's very, very important. So there you go. Maybe Robbie Farrer, Farrer and Taylor should do that. That <laughs> 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 would be good. To the AFL now, and was it a lesson in resilience or the writing on the wall for the Giants beaten in the last seconds by a boot from West Coast Nick Natanui. This is amazing. Matthew Lloyd, uh, Jules, says that they, they can't do it this year, the Giants, that they're still too young to stand up in those big pressure games. What do you make of it? Well, it was a disaster for the Giants, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, they dropped out of the four quicker than a spider cam drops in Rio on uh, <laughs> pretty much out of the four. If you're out of the four, it's already tough enough. It's already tough enough to win a premiership from outside the four, uh, let alone for a team that's never played in the finals before. I mean, if anyone can do it, the Giants could do it because they've had so many draft concessions. They've got so much young talent. But that's a huge loss for them. Eight seconds to go. They just need to dive on the ball, stop it, and they let Nick Nat kick it. It's just extraordinary. Are you saying my Carlton boys are not going to make the top four? Well, if you want to invest your money, <laughs> give it to me and I'll, I'll take that. Okay. Yeah. Exactly. The pain continues for Richmond fans, though, with the Tigers giving up a 35.3 quarter time lead, run down by the might of Geelong. This has got to hurt my season that has hurt and bruised them most weeks. Soul destroying. Uh, Following Richmond, you know, you've got that ex person in your life that everyone tells you to steer clear of that's not good for you, but you keep going back against everyone's advice. Yeah. That's Richmond's relationship <laughs> to their supporters. <laughs> <laughs> and in that game against Geelong, the one time they have to celebrate in the season, they lose a 35-point lead in the last quarter. So they don't even get the make-up six. At the end of the year, <laughs> they just get shafted completely uh, through the season. It has choice. been an absolutely tough season for them. All right, the race for the top four, when the top two, it's fully on. You've got to keep winning, and the Swans did that with another boost to their percentage. Percentage, uh, played well. Buddy Franklin is just uh, in the back end of the season has been terrific. Six goals, so he's getting scoreboard pressure as well, doing very well, booting the ball beautifully. He is. The Swans are, are looking really good, aren't they? You were very worried about the GWS threat, whether they'd make the top four. I, I was. The Swans was worried about. Yeah. It, yeah. Um, I think the, uh, it, it's looking like a Swans Hawks grand final at the moment. I, I think you'd have to say, Boz. Ah, uh, yep. Um, and Hawks, Hawks to win again. If Hawks lose against the West Coast, it'll be at the SCG, which is practically Hawks' second home. They've beaten uh, the Sydney Swans at the SCG in close games the last two times they've played, so I'd be very happy to see that, Tony. If it is, what a sensational story that will set up in terms of Buddy. 
Obviously, yeah. Yeah. he's been a brilliant story this year anyway. Is he leading the Coleman medal or he's certainly up I amongst think Kennedy the, might be leading. He's up amongst True. the front runners. So yeah. from where he was last year and obviously had to miss a lot of football to be back there and if it is set up against Hawthorne, that is an absolutely sensational... Yeah, so long as it doesn't work out like the last time they played. <laughs> <laughs> well, is that the one you left at quarter time, Tony? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm a good follower. You didn't even go to the other Hawthorne Swans game. Stop talking now. <laughs> <laughs> Three-point loss for Collingwood against the Western Bulldogs was all the more painful for uh, Pi Star... Darcy Moore, look at this, head first into the electronic fence, uh, the advertising bull. Oh, oh, jumps off a real second best there. That... And it's into the Moore word. It's like Max Gorn going into a Jim's mowing sign. <laughs> oh. This bloke, though, this bloke's dive, at least, was deliberate. Have a look at him. But the result was pretty much the same in the baseball. Watch from this angle here as he comes in. Oh. oh, that's commitment. Yeah, he's, <laughs> that down. he's down and bang, yeah. off comes the helmet. Love it. He still has all these teeth. Yeah. <laughs> Snodgrass this time without swing. What a save from Schmeichel! Champion Fox. Whatever next. Yes, I wonder if the $177,000 cars given to the Leicester City players have been repossessed after their first <laughs> loss to newly promoted Hull City. That really wasn't the start they were looking for. It, it wasn't, and it's going to be a very different experience for them. They had that wonderful experience last year winning the title from basically from 5,000 to 1. Um, but Retaining your title, especially in the English Premier League, is a completely different thing. There's going to be teams that are going to be specifically making plans on how to stop them. Um, they're obviously more well-known. They have lost as well in N'Golo Kante, who's gone to Chelsea. Um, he was an absolute star last year for them. Uh, it's going to be very, very difficult to replace. But um, they'll find out this season what it's like to be champions in England, have everybody basically put a cross there on your back. Do they have any chance? No, not to win the title. Um, wow. I think what, what they've got to be very, very careful of is that they don't get sucked into a relegation battle because as... That's escalated quickly. I'm serious. I'm serious because we, as we saw with Chelsea last season, um, you know, and Chelsea on paper, far better you know, team than you, you can see say about Leicester this season, you know, they really got sucked down. Like their yeah. defence last season was really poor, but they still got the resources to get themselves out. Now, Leicester, you could say, in a way, have that with their new owners and so forth, but the attraction of uh, going to Chelsea as opposed to Leicester is still a little bit like that. So even Ranieri said straight after the game, you know, we just got to make sure that we're safe this year because it would be a huge embarrassment for them after winning the title to be sucked into that. And look... Yeah. And the, the Champions new... League is a big difference. Exactly. So but with, with, the, with the new uh, money from the new TV deal... Um, the team that finishes last in the Premier League will get more money than the team that wins the Bundesliga. So that's the type of spending power all these teams have. So one thing that last season showed was obviously anyone can win it. That was a great thing. But on the other hand as well, it's going to show all these other teams and their chairman the fact that, listen, if Leicester can do it, so can we. So that's going to make it, you know, much more difficult for them, you know? So When things went wrong in that game, mm. uh, I, I saw that Leicester's uh, Jamie Vardy, he decided there was only one course of action. 
basically it's just give yourself an uppercut. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> he's not mucking around there, is he? No, he's not. And, and again, you know, in, in contrast to last season, they had quite a few chances in the first half, Leicester. And, and normally last season they would go in. Um, even the, goal, the, the last goal by Hull, by Snodgrass, that came from a, a catch from, from Kasper Schmeichel, who, you know, whipped the ball out like he did last season, but this time he got intercepted and they scored. So they're going to have to put up with all those things. There's going to be that up and down thing. So they want to start getting some wins very, very early and hopefully for their sake get to 40 points as quick as possible. Stupid bets uh, will always come back to bite you. There, I've said it, kids. Although, <laughs> Gary Lineker was happy enough to present Match of the Day in his underpants after betting uh, that his team, Leicester, wouldn't uh, win the title last year. They, of course, did. Yeah. And here he is. And f fair play to him. He said in December hoops that uh, if Leicester had gone on, because Leicester was his first team in England, that if Leicester had gone on to win the Premier League, that he'll present the first Match of the Day episode in his pants. There were a few people who <laughs> thought they would be in his underpants, but he's... Uh, would you yeah. do a pause? Would yes. you present in your underpants? Yeah, and I'll have to lose about 20 kilos. Because <laughs> <laughs> I've seen you on Gladiators in yes. England. Yeah, in the old days, <laughs> exactly. that, was, that was 20 kilos. <laughs> <laughs> but a fair play to him. For a man of 55, he looked fantastic. Uh, come mm. on. I'm 55. <laughs> <laughs> Cahill says he'll lap up the pressure that will come along with being the new star of the A-League, signing with Melbourne City. It is good news, isn't it? Have, uh, let's have a little listen to what he had to say. My little boy just said to me, Dad, it's not the right move for my football if we stay in China. That was it. <laughs> I rang Chris, I rang my wife, I said, we rang Scott. Got to Scott, called to Brian, I said, it's over. I closed talks with um, Greentown and you know, they could have thrown anything at me and they did. I think as a footballer, you know, sometimes you can you know, probably stay in China and coast through it. But I think this is going to give me a good challenge as well, personally. You know, I think I've always been that player that um, needs that bit of pressure. Mm. So he's here. He will be under pressure, won't yes. he? Yes, he will be, but it's wonderful news. And, look, you know, I've actually been a little bit surprised, especially on social media, about the reaction of some people. I, I think um, what people in football have got to realise is that every season is an important season for the A-League, but no more than this season. And we had that wonderful... I was speaking to you before, James, about... You know, when the Wanderers came in, Del Piero came here, Emil Heskey, Shinji Ono. And I think we've plateaued a little bit. And, and I, I truly, truly think a lot of people are upset as well, the FA dipping into their pockets to help out. I've got no problem with that. At least they're trying to do something to push the A-League back where it should be. It's a very important year this year oh, you know, with the TV deal coming. Yep. And also to Tim Cahill, he's exactly right. Oh. It's easy for him to have taken the money in China and for us to see him in a few highlights. and this, uh, People are going to be watching him week in, week out. He'll, he won't have the support that he's had before because he's been playing for Australia every once in a while. Yep. There's going to be people that are going to be wanting him oh. from opposition supporters, wanting him not to do so well. So he's also been very courageous, in my opinion. And it's going to be hard for him, I'm telling you. I think it's great for the A-League, but if, if someone offered me that money and my daughter didn't want to go, I'd say, your opinion doesn't matter. But he is going to be great. You were right. It's such an asset. It needed a shot of something, Jules. It needed a shot of charisma because yeah, the big yeah. bash league, Tony, and that 2020 yeah. cricket competition is just going like that. And sadly, yeah. as Boz touched on, the A-League is plateauing. So a superstar like Tim Cale... Like stand here we see loving yeah. and hoops. Exactly. And, uh, He's and, guaranteed to get bums on seats and people watching. You know, a lot of people, like I said, lamented the fact as well about David Gallup and the FFA dipping into their so-called marquee fund. But Good. if they hadn't... Had to do something. You know, exactly, you had to do something. And well done to Melbourne City as well. So I think it's very, very important for the A-League that we get as many high-profile players as we possibly can here, especially still in this development phase. There will come a time, hopefully one day, but we're not there yet. 
where we won't need to do that. But we're very far from that. Yeah. Yep. All right, another week, another goalkeeper howler, this time from the Netherlands. <laughs> I love this. I looked long and hard for your yeah. keeper howlers, boss. I couldn't find any. I've got one like, for you. Oh, have you? Oh, good. Yeah. This guy just sneaking up, sneaking up. Oh. Around he goes. And in. Oh, I've seen that before. I've actually seen Dion Dublin, uh, who used to play for Aston Villa in Coventry, actually did that to a goalkeeper called Shea Given. Uh, uh, in the Premier League as well. There's no worse feeling, I can tell you, because generally when you make a mistake like that, Liesl, there's another 20 or 30 minutes before you even touch the ball. So you have to put up with everybody, you know, kind of looking at you and, uh, and saying some, you know, some things. That's yeah. all. Yeah. It's uh, lucky Michelle Payne's a jockey because she has been on a wild ride these past 12 months. She was, of course, the great story, winning the Melbourne Cup on Prince of Penzance. But after that terrible fall, that injury, the surgery, she won't be riding the horse hoops in the spring carnival, she wasn't happy with that result. No, she wasn't. She obviously took to social media, and it's a sad twist, Tony, because it was such a fairy tale last year when she rode Prince of Penzance to Melbourne Cup glory. It was a 101 one shot. It really brought life to the Melbourne Cup because for years previously we'd been talking about the foreign raiders and the fact that they'd taken a little bit of shine away from the event. But look, what's happened is she's had a feud with the owners. She's obviously had some shocking injuries. She had to have her pancreas removed. And it's a real boys' club too, isn't it? Being around with jockeys and, and racing. So she's done pretty well with that. Totally. From an outside point of view, I reckon that would definitely be a challenge. And she voiced that when she won the Melbourne Cup. She yeah. said, this is for all those people. Mm. The owners wanted to take her off before she rode the Cup and won mm. on Prince of Penzance. Is there anything so... more pointless than a deleted tweet? You know when someone sends a tweet out <laughs> a few drinks, they go, quickly delete it. Yeah. It's been screenshotted 100,000 times. <laughs> That's right. It just no makes point. it worse. It makes it worse. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's a tough job being a golf caddy, uh, not just lugging a bag of clubs around, but working out wind and distance, especially if you're working for a hard taskmaster like Tom Watson at the US Senior Open. It's 96 I thought Mr. Duncan's math class in fourth grade was <laughs> pressure. <laughs> How hard. Oh. his calculator on his iPhone. Like, <laughs> I want to get in a shout with him at the park. Please don't say he hit the shot in the bunker. Yeah. No, he didn't hit the shot in the bunker. He hit a terrific shot, as oh, it turned good. out. But that got us thinking about what the most thankless jobs in sport. So we count them down in this week's top five. And we start with photographers. Oh, <laughs> women. Uh, That's a great two, Kayla. Yeah, they put their bodies on the line. <laughs> and of course, your moths. Uh, oh, that's. Yes, wallop over. Number four, look, mascot. It seems like an easy job until you moonwalk. Oh. <laughs> I love the concern of the other mascot here. Yeah. <laughs> you can break your legs and still smile as yeah. a mascot, don't you? <laughs> and operating heavy machinery is also wrong. <laughs> so, uh, and this guy, look, just having a few too many drinks. <laughs> Both legless and headless. Does he play golf? Uh, at number golf. three. Uh, being a sideline reporter, also oh. that's cracked up to be coming. Oh. <laughs> and of course, there is a marching band <laughs> the US can get in the way for you. <laughs> as well. At number two, security guards, uh, not the policeman, the next big fella. Wait. <laughs> oh. He got a lot of spirit though. He 
Citizen <laughs> Green Tunnel. Very good. Very good. good. Commitment. Heavy <laughs> 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 elite. Heavy elite. Heavy elite. <laughs> I love this guy because uh, he just refuses to go off so they can they can't start the second half. Look, I'll go in my own good time. Yeah, not ready yet. Not ready. Got to gam your leg. And number one, look, being a rally co-driver is number one. How hard is it to follow instructions? Have a listen. Hurting Australia for the All Blacks, yet we still invite him along as a special guest because we're good people. Welcome, Andrew Merton. It's lovely to have you on the Cheers. show. There you were, just they were falling over. Well, it was embarrassing looking at that footage because, firstly, Christian Cullen, who was running alongside there, probably could have done shuttle runs to the dead ball and back. <laughs> that was how fast he could go and how fast I could. I wanted to give him the ball, yeah. and all the Wallabies were taking one another out. <laughs> <laughs> secondly, after that, we got so we were leading 7 0, we then lost by about 20 points. Uh, we didn't get another point after that. Yeah, so I was going to go and say that I can cross that out. Sorry. <laughs> We're going to obviously talk to you about your glittering career, but you're here as our rugby expert ahead of the Bledisloe Cup on Saturday. But even before that, I want to just go back to the Olympics for a moment. Have you enjoyed the, the Rugby Sevens? I really have. I think it's, it's fantastic. I enjoy it as a product, and rugby needs it as a product to, to attract the non-rugby people. Mm. You know, all the sports... These days, really trying for that casual viewer, and you see sports getting condensed, and um, you know it's, it's for the, the TV watchers mm. as well. And, and Sevens is great for that. It's a lot of colour. You see a lot of non-traditional rugby countries doing well. You know the likes of Kenya and the United States and whatnot. So it's, it's fantastic. Of course, you see a great final between New Zealand and Australia and the women a week ago as well. Yes, that's right. And Andrew, you're happy that it being the Sevens rather than it being 15s in the Olympics? Yeah, absolutely. I just think uh, to try and showcase your sport, I think people would get bogged down if it was 15s. But mm. uh, it's exciting. Don't, the games don't take too long. And, uh, and you see a big turnover of teams and players. And, of course, it was Fiji who uh, lived up to their expectations, got through and won in the men's. They play a great brand of footy as well. And, and their first ever Olympic uh, medal, which is fantastic to watch. They've been the, kind of the luminary rugby sevens team for, you know, 30, 40, 50 years. They play a great brand of, uh, of, of football and, uh, and, and they deserve it, the passion that they show for it, you know, on the field but also off the field, the support is just, you can't. You can't uh, deny them that. It, you can't replicate that sort of passion, can you? Hey, Andrew, while we're on the subject of sevens, I wanted to ask you about a guy who's also had a lot of success in the 15-man game for the All Blacks, is Sonny Bill Williams. What's the perception of him like over in NZ? Really strong. He's really well-respected. And I think a lot of that comes from how he left... Well, maybe on the second or third time he left uh, Rugby League over here, but he was fantastic with the Roosters. They loved him. His work ethic was, was fantastic. He, um, you know, just a really humble guy, an incredible sportsman. Oh, and I think any sport wants someone like that, S someone who can translate those skills. I mean, the games seem very similar, of course, but to be able to, you know, uh, appreciate, appreciate the, the, the nuances and stuff of the sports and, 
and improve each time he changes sport. He's been uh, he's been superb, and uh, the All Blacks will be looking forward to getting him back. He's injured at the moment, of course. Yeah. Andrew, Andrew, before we get to the Bledisloe, let me take you back to the 1995 World Cup against South Please. Africa. Uh, <laughs> first question, food poisoning. And I noticed you had some sushi in our green room, so that might be the second time. Uh, the, the food poisoning scandal. And what was it like seeing Invictus? Because you've got Matt... Da I don't know who played you in the movie, but you've got a global <laughs> yeah. audience, like, rooting for the South Africans against the All Blacks. What was it like experiencing yeah, it was, it was interesting. I had, I had some mates, actually. I was playing in England at the time, and some mates of mine who got called down to act in the film as extras, and they, they picked the biggest most Polynesian-looking guys they could. So they were all down there, and I was getting, um, you know, text messages from them saying we're, we're playing poker with uh, Clint Eastwood in between shots <laughs> and breaks in the film. They're sitting down there. And I was thinking, well, you know, couldn't you have got some of the original guys who played in that game if you wanted to... Admittedly, you had about 1,000 kgs extra. <laughs> <laughs> 20-odd years. But, uh, no, it was, it was interesting to watch it, and, and I didn't know the background, what was going on behind the sport at the time. We were a little bit of aware of, you know, the, the, the cultural changes in South Africa at the time, but seeing what actually went on and the, the grace, I guess, and the... Um, magnanimous nature of, uh, of Nelson Mandela when he came and out of, you out met of him, jail. Didn't you? And, yeah, we met him before the final. It was one of those things, it was just a shame. I knew we had a game to play and you can't really spend too much no, time, as you know, um, dwelling you. on that. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I, I knew it was, at, the moment, at that time, I knew it was something I was going to look back on really, really fondly. But at the time, you're going, well, I've got a game to get into in a minute, so I hope we don't get distracted. Andrew, like, the All Blacks are just the most incredible team. What makes them so special? I mean, the Wallabies have won six out of the last 36 tests against the All Blacks. Is it just intimidation? Like, you're just purely so good? Yeah, I'm, look, I think we've just gone through a really good patch um, in, in the All Blacks in the last 10 years. We've had some outstanding players. Um, you know, we only got our first uh, centurion in terms of test caps uh, a few years back in, in uh, Richie McCaw. I don't even know. It might have been Mills Mulyaina. But all of a sudden, we had five or six guys who played 100 test matches, which in rugby is a, is a huge amount. They were all on the team at the same time. So we've just had a really good patch. You look back at the Wallabies in my era, when we lost pretty regularly to the Wallabies, mm. they had a, a, a number of outstanding world-class guys like Todai Kefu, George Grieg and John Eels, all those guys at one time. And so there's a little bit of, um, I guess, luck or fortune in it. And of course, you won't have Richie McCaw to cheat at the breakdown anymore, which is obviously <laughs> which is a terrific thing. Uh, do you, are you enjoying the mind games that have begun already between uh, the All Blacks coach Steve Hansen and Michael Checker? He's arrived. They're talking about who's coaching whose team. Just have a little listen to remind you. It's good of uh, the Australian coach to start picking our team. I'd say he's got enough problems of his own, probably, but we'll, we'll pick ours and he can pick his, and he'll have a lot to say, no doubt. <laughs> I love that because he, of course, said that Eddie Jones had got the better of Michael Checker when he coached England when he arrived here. It's, it's a lot of fun, and Eddie Jones played his role when he came out here as the bad guy coaching, coaching England. And, of course, he was the bad guy when he left, wasn't he, after 3-0? But, uh, yeah, look, there's, it's a sort of a game within a game, and, and Steve Hansen is a... Um, Former policeman has worked very hard on psychology over the years, and he knows what he's doing. And they're actually pretty similar people, Michael Checker and Steve Hans. I suspect they get on really well. But you know, um, they know that it's a, it's a test in Sydney. Rugby faces a really tough battle over here in terms of the winter sports, mm. and the more more profile and the more attention you can get, the better. So I guess they're playing their part. And Andrew, I wanted to ask you about uh, Mark Ellis came out and bagged the, the Matt Gitto law, which basically they've scrapped and allowing players that play abroad to play for Australia. What's your feelings on that? Um, well, every country's different. I think Australia probably can't 
afford to deny themselves the opportunity of, of the quality of guys like Drew Mitchell and, um, and Matt Giddo. You know, New Zealand's a different thing. We, we can't compete probably with, with a small economy that we've got with the opportunities overseas. So we really have to um, make sure that it's the all-black jersey that keeps guys in New Zealand. Mm. And, and, and that's our situation. But I think for Australia, they need the likes of Gitto and Mitchell and, and whatnot. And Gitto particularly, because I think the midfield's a really important area. All Blacks have just lost their, um, you know, uh, really uh, probably best ever midfield combination and Conrad Smith and Ma Nonu gone overseas. So I think Australia, the Wallabies have really got a chance there in the midfield to, to establish a bit of a difference there and, and having Matt Giddo there to balance out with Kondrani would be good. I want to put you in a different jersey now. I think it might be the Canterbury. <coughs> What's going on with these celebrations here, Andrew Mertens? It was uh, terrific. Uh, the, the field goal is just a beautiful. Uh, must be at altitude because it's gone very high. <laughs> <laughs> well, you guys very kindly mentioned that 95 World Cup, which um, was four years before this, and um, we lost, and I managed to miss about a thousand drop goals in the course of, in the course of that game. And um, you know, I was just probably showing to people that I knew where the posts were. <laughs> I've kind of finally learned where to kick the damn thing. So there was a British swimmer at the Olympics. He does that salute to his dad. Oh, yeah. He walked out, and the NBC got in trouble for showing it. That was so it. There it was a go. cute family thing. <laughs> <laughs> Who wins the cute family thing called the Blurslow Cup at uh, the weekend? Well, you know what? I think it's a cracking, uh, cracking fixture we've got ahead of us. I, I, you know, I, I back the Wallabies at home. They've had a couple of extra weeks to prepare while the New Zealand teams have been playing in the Super Rugby playoffs. Mm. Um, and I think they'll be very hungry. And I think uh, yeah, it'll be a tough one. I'd, I'd say Australia by a couple of points. Andrew Mertens, oh, lovely to have good. you with us. You, of course, can see Andrew Mertens in action in the other rugby show. Sundays, I think, at 9.30 again on Wednesdays at 7.30. Thank you so much for being Thank with you, us. Andrew. Coming up, our champ of the week. Welcome back. Australia's put up more of a fight in the third cricket test against Sri Lanka. Now, I love Pete Neville's stumping of uh, Karuna Ratna. Oh, there, oh. look. Off they go. Some people in the office, have a look at the other angle. They thought this was slightly outside of the spirit oh, of the game. Man. That is beautiful. It's so Australian. What I do you know thought? nothing about cricket, but that looks wrong to Why? Me. No, I'm with you, Lisa. Excitement of sports. I'm with you. It doesn't look right. You have to do it? that to get a batsman out. You've got problems. That's it first low. class low. keeping. Low. That is first class keeping. Yeah. He's waited his moment. Out of his crease, takes the bales off. Out. No. That would have been oh. booed at the Olympics. The rules are rules. You'd call him back. Oh, call him back. I'm glad you're never going to be my captain. <laughs> a commentator's job, of course, is to describe the action, uh, put us in the picture, or if you're this bloke, uh, abuse the competitors. And he making the same mistake he made earlier in the day today, but now uh, seemingly getting a chance down the inside rail there as uh, we see the favourite being hampered. And what a bloody idiot he is <laughs> as they come down the straight here now with uh, favourite Angel uh, flying here. Angel Love's going to fly to win it, and Angel Love wins it from six and three. But what an incredible, stupid drive. Time now for our champ of the the week. And a few options from the Rio games, but how can we go past the man who has notched up his 23rd gold medal? Yes, Michael Phelps owns more Olympic bling than anyone before and likely anyone to come. 23 gold medals adds up to 10% of his body weight. Wow. I've done the measurements. Wow. Uh, sure, he's American, but he's been supreme every time he stood on the blocks. Michael Phelps. Well swum. Congratulations. Mm. Sadly, that's where we have to leave you. Thank you so much, Liesl. Thank you. Thank you, Thank Tony. You. Well done. Look, a big shout-out to Jim Maxwell, who uh, isn't well while commentating for the ABC uh, on the games today. Get well soon, Jimmy. We'll see you next week.
this has been a production of Fox Sports.